We are in our fourth week of Advent. In the first week, we talked about hope, and I was able to share a story from my family where we felt like we had lost hope, and uh, we talked about the difference between hoping for something, you hoping for a change, hoping for a healing, hoping for this, hoping for that, or hoping in someone, and hoping in Jesus Christ. And so that's what we talked about with hope, and then we talked about love. And we talked about how God, the way God expresses love and God, and as we interpret love, is, is different than how we would normally think about it. And so we had the stereogram. I don't know if you remember the stereogram where you don't focus your eyes and then you see the Starship Enterprise. That was awesome. Uh, and then we talked about joy and we talked about the idea that in an event or at a certain time or whatever, you, you, you can experience joy at any time, but what robs us of our joy is fear. And so you might experience a, this, this, you know, the joy of buying a house, the joy of having a child, the joy, but it's the fear that robs us of our joy. So we talked about that last week, and then this week, we light the candle of peace. And that's what I want to talk about this morning is this idea of peace. What, what does it mean to have peace? You know, some, some, some of you think, you know, it's, if it's peaceful, I can take a nap. You know, oftentimes we think of things like uh, peace is the absence of war. Peace is the absence of conflict. Uh, peace in my marriage is my wife doing everything I want her to do uh, and never arguing with me, um, which is totally how it is. And so, uh, uh, but you know, that maybe, maybe peace in your finances. You think of, wow, I'd have peace in my finances if I had more money. Uh, that might bring peace. As a matter of fact, um, the angels, when the angels were uh, talking to the shepherds, they said this, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. Peace. What is it? What does it mean to have peace? What does it mean to be peaceful? Well, the Bible talks about peace a little bit differently than maybe you or I would talk about peace. The Bible doesn't talk about peace in terms of there being an absence of conflict or everybody getting along or tolerance or just kind of all these things where, look, you know, just let be, be and let be. It's a much richer, a much deeper theological perspective than just that. The word, you've probably heard it, is shalom. And it's much richer. When, when, when a Jew would go to another Jew and say shalom, it didn't just mean, you know, hope you get along with your spouse tonight. It meant something different. And I, I want to show you this quote by a guy named uh, Cornelius Plantinga. Uh, and he really kind of gives us a, a deeper perspective of this idea of, um, of peace. In the Bible, shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness and delight, a rich state of affairs in which natural needs are satisfied and natural gifts are fruitfully employed, a state of affairs that inspires joyful wonder as its creator and savior opens doors and welcomes the creatures in whom he delights. Shalom, in other words, is the way things ought to be. Peace in my marriage is when my marriage is operating the way it's supposed to operate. Peace in my finances is not more money. It's when my, oper it's when my finances operate in the way God had intended my finances to operate. And peace in my body is not, uh, you know, what, it, it's, it's, when, it's when things begin to work the way God 
had wanted them to work. Now the problem is, as we all know, is sin has entered in. And so there's always this tension between what God had designed and what had, he um, had wanted to have happen and then what is actually happening around us. We get sick. We get into arguments. We get into debt. We get into trouble. And so what do we do? As a matter of fact, uh, in Isaiah, it's this section of scripture that prophesied about Jesus coming hundreds of years before he came. And this might look familiar to you. For a child has been born to us, a son is given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders. And he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Authority. You could say it this way. Peace, universal flourishing, the way things are supposed to be, happen when God reigns. Peace in my finances are when God rules and reigns in my finances. Peace in my marriage is when God rules and reigns in my marriage. Peace at work is when God rules and reigns at the workplace, where there's a company that treats its employees fairly, that there's employees that work hard for the employee. This is the way God had intended it to be. When God is on the throne in my life, that's when I experience the most peace. And so as we talked about last week with joy, where fear robs us of our joy, what I wanted to do this week was talk about, well, what robs us of our peace? And as I've been counseling people and been around people in church and been around people outside of church, there's one common theme that I see. I, there are several things that can rob us of our peace, but there's one common thing that I want to talk about this morning. And that's unforgiveness. And as we, we get into the holiday season, a lot of us are going to end up going to uh, parties with our family. We're going to be, you know, there's a lot of emotion surrounding uh, Christmas. And so a lot of times people get stuck in that. And that you remember things from Christmas's past. You remember things from your past. You remember things that people have done to you. And so there's this, th- this idea of unforgiveness that robs us of our peace. And so I want to talk about that this morning because Jesus, he promised peace. As a matter of fact, in John, he says this, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you, not as the world gives. It's not just getting more money. It's not just having everyone agree with you. It's not taking a nap. God's peace through Jesus Christ comes as we let him rule and reign in all the different areas of our life. He is the prince of peace. We oftentimes want the peace part, but the prince part, the idea that he's going to lead and rule and reign in our lives, we don't like that part. We like the peace part. And so he says, do not let your heart be troubled and do not be fearful. So, as we talk about unforgiveness, I just want to get a couple concepts down, and then uh, we're going to even drill a little more specific. Forgiveness is needed because when there's sin, when I wound you or hurt you or do something, disrespect you, there is a debt-debtor relationship that is created. So, in my personal life, one of the great examples I have of a debt-debtor relationship is uh, my mortgage. This is my mortgage. Ooh. Come on, come on. Uh, I, wouldn't it be nice if that's all you had to do was just light it on fire? Um, and so there's just all these pages. And basically what it says is um, 
you owe a lot of money <laughs> to somebody, and uh, they lent me the money to buy the house, and then I have promised, apparently, <laughs> to, to uh, pay it back over 30 years or however long your, your mortgage is. There's this debt-debtor relationship. And so how, how that would look in our lives is you're at work, you have an idea, your boss takes your idea, goes before the whole company, says it's his or her idea, and then... Um, and, and then they get all the recognition. They owe you that recognition. They stole your idea. They, they got all this recognition. You didn't get it. They owe you. And so the way they would go back and they'd go back to the company and say, look, it was really not, you know, uh, my idea. It was really his idea or her idea. And so I'm sorry. And that gets restored again. And, and you, you can kind of pick any example you'd like to pick. If you've dis, been disrespected and the person comes and says, you know what? I, I totally disrespected you. I apologize. I'd like to restore that. There, there's a debt, debtor relationship that happens when we wound each other. And we do. We wound each other. We offend each other. We're human. What I want to talk about this morning is something that I see over and over and over again in the church and outside the church. And it's unforgiveness of ourselves. See, if I wound you... I can make it right. I can repay oftentimes. But with myself, how am I going to pay myself back for what I've done to myself? And one of the number one things I see as I talk to people and I, I see kind of as they tell me their life story, they go back to one or two situations in their life and they will say almost these words. You know what? I've made it right with those people around me, but I just, I can't forgive myself. And the fact of the matter is, it's impossible to forgive yourself. It's impossible to undo what you did. The only thing you can do to make it right is to not have done it in the first place, and that's impossible. And so we get stuck in this idea, and there's, we lose our peace because there's this sense that, man, what did I do that? And I, and I talked to a person over and over and over again, uh, all different walks of life, all different everything, and they say the same thing. If I could go back to that weekend, to that party, to that decision, to that thing I signed, if I could go back and not do it, I'd do it in a second. And so they sit with the guilt and the shame of thinking, how could I be so stupid? How, how, how could I have done that? And that's where they're stuck. That's what I want to talk about this morning, is how we get past that. Well, fortunately, the Word of God addresses this very thing. And again, even as I, uh, even as I talk and you're reminded of the, the, the things that you had, are sitting in your past where you're going, you know what, I, I, I wish I had never done that. I, I wish I could make it right. There's no way to make it right. It's there. There's no way to pay yourself back. Hopefully, I'll be able to pay back the person, that I, the company that this evil bank that lent me that money, uh, I will be able to pay them back, right? How do I pay myself back? For the bad decisions I've made. Well, I want to look in the Bible in Colossians chapter 2. And uh, we'll start in verse um, 13. We're just going to go through three quick verses. And, um, and then we'll, uh, we'll be done. So check this out. When you were dead in your sins. So this was before you entered into a relationship with Jesus. You were just kind of... 
a sinner. <laughs> when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh. Now, that's probably not a term that you used this week. Maybe you did. Maybe you're a doctor or a nurse or work in pediatrics or what have you. But uh, it's just this idea. And you were, um, you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh. In other words, it wasn't this, what, what they would see as like this cleansing thing. There was, you were kind of, it was before you really kind of met God, let's say. Okay. God made you alive with Christ. And check this out. He forgave us all our sins. All of them. Every single one. That weekend, the party, the decision, the thing that's been just kind of, how do I ever pay myself back? He has forgiven that. And not only has he forgiven it, he forgave it while you were doing it. And so even though I want to go back to my bad decisions and go, man, I wish I had never done that, in the process of doing it, in the midst of doing it, Jesus knew about it and was ready to extend forgiveness. Let me put it to you this way. I can't pay myself back. I can't undo it. I can't go back in time, even if I wish I could. I can't go back. And as you look at the, some of the decisions you have made, Maybe it was last night. You can't go back. What this verse says is that in the midst of that, in the midst of the fact that we were dead in our sins, in the midst of the fact that we, were, uh, we fell short before God, he forgave us all our sins. Now watch this. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. So my mortgage here, in some ways, says some things about me. It says I owe oh, a lot of money. Okay, no. It says I entered into an agreement. I agreed to this. I agreed to pay it back. I signed every good night, every one of these things. There's like a million pages in here. It, Back when Paul was writing, they didn't do this. This represents tons of lawyers and through a lot of time. A lot of these documents represent times when banks took advantage of people. And so they had to put things in there to make sure that banks couldn't take advantage of people. There's documents in here about people took advantage of banks. And there's language in there about that people... Uh, so they won't take advantage of banks. There's this kind of this thing. And I'm sure in 20 years, this thing will be twice as thick as it is now. But in Paul's time, what they would do, if you uh, borrowed some money, you would, in your own handwriting, write out exactly what happened. I, John Rittenhouse, borrowed $10 million from Evil Empire Bank, which I will repay in... Uh, a hundred, yeah, and uh, my children will pay, and you know, whatever, you know, this, this whole thing, and I, I sign it, and it's in my own handwriting. This is what Paul's talking about. And yet there's a, there's a charge of indebtedness to God that we have in our own handwriting. Going, I am a sinner, and I made mistakes that I wish I could take back, but I can't, and so I owe. And some of us, Almost every morning, get up and we look at that piece of paper that condemns us 
that indebtedness. We go, I know. I mean, most people I talk to aren't offended by the term you're a sinner or anything like that. They know. We know as humans. We get it. We know we're flawed. The problem is it just stands and condemns us day after day, week after week, year after year. These maybe one or two or three or five decisions that we made that we wish we could just go back. And look what it says. He's taking it away. You wake up in the morning, you look, where's my piece, piece of paper? I, oh, I owed that thing. Where's my, where's my mortgage? <laughs> right? I found it. I found five other ones that look just like it because I've refinanced like a thousand times. He's taken it away. He nailed it to the cross. Now imagine if you could do this. Imagine if you could take this, my mortgage. This doesn't work, by the way, in real life. Uh, so don't... <laughs> If I come here and I see like 50 mortgages on here, it's, a, it's not, it's not going to work. Oh, it would help to be a man. Okay, there we go. Now, that would be awesome if that could work and I wouldn't have to pay that back. But imagine if it did work, that feeling you'd have if all of a sudden the guy at the bank came knocking on your door and he said, you know what, we made a horrible mistake. We were supposed to give you that money, not lend it to you. And they say, where's your mortgage? And you're like, well, I burned it in a sermon. I, 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 I don't know. Right? That weight being taken off. This is exactly what Jesus is talking, what Paul's talking about that Jesus did. He took that slip of paper that you have in your hand, the thing that you go back in your mind and, and, and I have three of them. He took them and he grabbed them and he nailed them to the cross and said, you know what? This doesn't condemn you anymore. I've paid it. You could not pay yourself back. I've paid you back. It's done. It's over. And he, he goes on. He says this. Having nailed it to the cross. Now, this is so powerful and having disarmed the powers that condemn and authorities he made a public spectacle of them so in other words those things that are in your mind I wish I hadn't I shouldn't have I didn't have God flips those on their head and goes the the worst that sin is, the thing that bothers you more, the thing that, would, that someone would point and go, why did you do that? I, I can't believe you do that. How much more is the grace of God for those things? It just flips the whole thing on its head. Made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. You know what the cross tells me? Every time I see it, it says, it's paid for. It's done. Your past is your past. You can move on from here. It is paid. It's finished. You don't owe anything anymore. I want to read one other scripture just for a second. It's one chapter later than, than, uh, than this chapter. We're in chapter 2, verse 15. This is chapter 3, verse 15. And I think this kind of wraps it, wraps it up for us. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. 
since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. That word rule, uh, it's a Greek word for umpire. And it's the only time in the New Testament that that word is used. It's, it's, it's let, let it be an umpire for you. I, I don't play baseball. Um, I did when I was little. And um, I was frightened of the ball. And so uh, before every game, I would pee a little bit. And then uh, I had these green pants. And you could see that I peed a little bit. And so I'd rub dirt there to try and cover up the fact that I peed because I was so scared. <clears throat> Send your emails to bob at livingspring.com. Okay. Uh, so, uh, so I was scared of the ball. Well, when I became an adult, I was driving by some batting uh, cages. And, uh, and I thought, you know what? I, you know, now I'm a man. I'm not scared of the ball now. Plus, it's a batting cage. So I know where the ball's going to go. And that helped. So I went to the 50 mile an hour one or whichever one is like the, the sissy one. And, uh, and so I got in there. And I wasn't scared of the ball. And, I, and it, it, it kind of came in like that. You know, and I, I was just, I was, oh man, I, I'm, I could have been a professional baseball player. So you know, I'm, I'm hitting the ball. I'm not scared of the ball at all. Every, everything's cool. And uh, so then I thought, you know, I'm going to go up to the fastest, the fastest speed. <laughs> You know, which is, I don't know, 90, I don't know. I don't know what it was. It was it, well, apparently they use invisible balls because I never saw one. Uh, and, and, and so I, I'm sitting there and I'm not telling you, it came so fast. I couldn't swing my bat fast enough. So I started swinging it before the arm, like, like, like I'd see the arm coming and I'd start swinging, you know, and then hopefully it would like, it would connect. But I didn't hit one ball. Now, now take that image now imagine I'm in the big leagues and a big, you know, thing and all these people and I'm with a big league pitcher and here, here I am and they're curving and doing all this stuff and he's bringing the heat, right, okay? And, and it goes perfectly within a strike and it hits the catcher's glove and I'm sitting there going, I'm done. And all of a sudden the umpire is like, ball, there's a ball everyone's going crazy. What are you talking about? A ball? It was perfect. It was like right in the strike zone. You watch it on TV. It shows the thing and it's like, bam, right in the middle. I mean, dead. Like everyone, you know, you're blind up. You know, you're blind. I'm sitting there, you know, kind of, bam, ball two. All right. I start getting cocky. I'm just like, come on. You know, anyway, so he walks me. The ump walks me. It starts making, allows me to go around the bases. You got an idea of what that word means. Let the peace of Christ call your life for you. Let the peace of Christ sit and look and say, okay, let's call this the way it is. It's paid for. You're forgiven. You're free. You're not out. You can continue to play the game. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and be thankful. You know what it does? to have what Christ did on the cross, to, to accept Christ, to accept what he did on the cross, to be able to go, God, I know I'm a sinner. I should have been out innings ago. <laughs> but you, through the grace and your mercy and what you did on the cross, you paid my debt. Now those things in my life that I look back and I go, I wish I could undo them. Sure, I wish I could undo them, but I am thankful I am thankful that God died for those things and that they're paid for and it's over. 
And that's available to everybody. 